You can be seated. Next Sunday, we are going to be outside. Are you excited about that? All right. Weather permitting, of course, right? Um, you know, the, the one thing that we've really lost in this whole season of COVID-19, you know, you've been able to hear messages, preaching, sermons. Uh, you've been able to be part of life groups that have been meeting online. We've done kids' ministry online. We've done men's meetings and women's meetings and seniors' meetings. We've done so many of these different things. But the one thing that we've really lost is the sense of corporate worship is to gather together and to sing together and to hear others singing together and worshiping the Lord together. As we read in the book of Revelation where there's all types of nations and kindreds and tongues worshiping the Lord together. And so one of the reasons we're doing this outdoor service is to provide the opportunity where you can safely come and worship together. And maybe you're a little bit uncomfortable to come inside for those that are watching online or, uh, but maybe you can come for an outdoor worship experience. And so I wanna speak specifically to those that are watching online. I would love to see you next Sunday in person. You can come and sit as far away from everyone else as you like, all right? I'm gonna ask everyone if you can bring blankets, uh, your picnic blankets or your lawn chairs, right? We're not gonna have, we're not gonna put out seating there. We're gonna be meeting in the north lawn just in front of us here. And bring your lawn chairs, bring your picnic blankets, sit out wherever you'd like on that north lawn. We're gonna set up a stage and our instruments and everything is gonna be set up right outside of our church here. Uh, bring an umbrella or a hat just for some shade in case it gets a little hot right? Um, and we would love to be able to worship together. We're going to ask everyone, because uh, public health still has a recommendation out that says for community gatherings, if, uh, if there's an uncertainty of how, where everyone's vaccination level is, it's still recommended that we wear a mask. So we're going to ask everyone still to wear your mask outside just for the safety of everyone and just to create an environment that everyone is comfortable to come, come to and to be able to worship together. There'll still be a children's program as well, and they'll be doing their program outside. Uh, and so we're going to ask everyone if you can, when you come, just to park in the north lot, not to park in the south lot, because the children are going to use that area for their outdoor program. So when you come, just park in the north lot and then make your way over to the, the grass area. Okay? We're still going to require registration just so that we know who's coming, so please make sure to register. Every Tuesday, we put that out, and this Tuesday as well, we'll send you an email, and it'll have some of the information and other uh, details. And if anyone has any questions, please contact us, and we would love to answer any questions or concerns that you might have uh, regarding that or uh, any of our protocols as well. But we look forward to seeing you, look forward to seeing those that are online as well. We'll still be live streaming, so if you, if you still feel uncomfortable to come, don't worry, we will still be online and so that you'll be able to uh, worship with us uh, together, okay? So that's for next uh, Sunday. Look for an email. If you're not getting our emails, by the way, uh, go to our website, uachome.org newsletter, and you can sign up for things, especially some of our church-wide stuff, the email that I'll, you'll be getting tonight as well regarding the 31 days of prayer for India. Today we're starting a new series uh, uh, in these months of July and August on prayer. And I would like to specifically call our church to pray. I want to put out a call to everyone that's here and everyone that's watching online. And if you're going to watch this later on as well, I'm putting out a call for prayer. I'm asking all of us 
to come together and pray, to seek the Lord, a call to examine our lives, a call to fellowship with Jesus, a call to pray for others, and today specifically, a call to repent and confess. Right? At, at a time in Israel's past when they were, it was a time of destruction, a time of hardship and ruin in Israel's history, the prophet Joel called the children of Israel to repentance. And he said this in Joel 1 in verse 14, announce a time of fasting, which we might do in these coming months as well. Excited, right? Oh man, I got a clap for the outside service and nothing for the fasting. <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders and all the people to the land, uh, of the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to him there. I'm calling our church today for the months of July and August, and not just for the months of July and August, but specifically for this season as we study through prayer to pray with us, to pray together. As we come into a new season here at UAC, as we come into a season where we want to rebuild, we want to look and see what the Lord will do for us in this new season, I think the, the bottom line thing that we need to do first is to pray. We need to pray. So towards that end, every Monday night at 7 p.m., we're going to be having a prayer meeting on Zoom. I would love to see many of you there. We're going to be praying through various uh, situations and circumstances. We're going to be praying for, for various items. We are having four prayer walks, two in July, two in August. I would love for all of us to gather and to walk through our community. We don't want to just be inwardly focused and just pray and say, Lord, I need this, I need this, I need that. No, but we want to focus on our community as well. Pray into our community. And I'd love to see many of you come as we'll make use of the nice weather and the opportunity to gather outdoors. Let's pray into our community. On July 18th, we're having a special mission Sunday where John Cook is gonna be sharing with us and he's gonna be talking about a missional prayer, the prayer of Jonah, and talking about how we need to pray into missions as well. And that evening, specifically on July 18th, in the evening, we're gonna have a time of prayer for all of our international workers that are serving overseas. We wanna pray for them. There's also gonna be a, a YouVersion Bible app uh, prayer uh, plan that we're gonna be going through, more information uh, about that to come in these weeks. We're probably gonna do a couple of those plans like we've done before. We're gonna do a couple of those church-wide plans together during this time. I wanna encourage you as well to sponsor a child through prayer. We have our camps coming up in this month of July, and what you can do is pray for a specific child. If you would like, I want to encourage you to sponsor a child through prayer. What that means is fill out that form online, and, all, and, and you'll be given a child to pray for for those five days that that child is in camp, to pray specifically for that child, that that child will be touched and moved by the Spirit of God and by the love of God as they come to camp. Can you do that? And then following these months of prayer, starting in September, we're going to be launching an eight-week prayer course as a follow-up to what we're doing in these months to help us just grow deeper in our life of prayer. And if you need someone to pray with you, we would love to be able to do that. And after the service today, our prayer team is going to be up here. And for those watching online, you can go to uachome.org slash pray with me and fill out that form and somebody from our prayer team will connect with you and would love to be able to pray for you. But this morning, I want to look at two specific prayers as we talk about the prayer of repentance and confession, right? And to learn a few things from there. And the two specific prayers is David's prayer found in Psalm 51, which Kingsley read for us, 
and also Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter nine. We didn't take time to read through it. I'll just quote a few verses this morning, but I wanna encourage you when you go home to read through that prayer as well. David's prayer was a prayer of personal confession because of his own failings and his own sin. Daniel's prayer was a prayer, even though he prayed it on his own, but it was a prayer of corporate repentance and confession for the failings of all of the children of Israel. And so this morning, I want to look at both of these prayers and learn something from each of these prayers in terms of personal repentance and confession, which I believe we all need. And thankfully, we're going to partake of the Lord's uh, Supper today. We're going to partake of Holy Communion as a time when we can just look and examine our lives and ask the Lord to forgive and cleanse us and start anew and afresh. But also looking at Daniel's prayer of corporate confession, because I know that we have failed as a church. We have failed as a nation. We have failed as families. And in so many different ways, I think we need to repent. See, David failed the Lord when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And to cover that adultery up, he committed murder and killed Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. Okay? And the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to David to confront him with his sin and say, David, look what you have done. And thankfully, David acknowledged, when the prophet came to him, David acknowledged and said, yes, I am the person. Yes, I have sinned. Yes, I have failed the Lord. And then he writes this beautiful psalm, Psalm 51, as a prayer of repentance. Now, Daniel, although Daniel's known as a holy man, not this Daniel, the Daniel in the Bible, right, just so that we're clear. Although Daniel was known as a holy man, it's hard to find really anything wrong that he did. But Daniel, on behalf of the children of Israel, on behalf of the people of God, prayed this prayer of repentance and confessing their failing, their rebellion, and all that they did against the Lord. So let's look at both of these prayers and see. But realize that it is Jesus, as we talked about for the last couple of weeks, it is Jesus that makes the difference in everything. I want to tell you a story of a man named Dez. Dez uh, was a person who was addicted to cocaine. He was a bouncer and he worked at a nightclub and, and because of his job, it led him to more and more violent tendencies and finally into drugs, drugs more drugs and drinking. And one night he overdosed. And at that critical point in his life, he cried out to God and told God that he didn't want to die. The next day, he miraculously woke up and didn't have any cravings for cocaine and just gave it up. He had a day job that, uh, at a store where he worked. There was a lady named Fiona that worked there as well. And she started to share with Des about the saving power of Jesus. She gave him a Bible and told him to start reading it to help him to answer some of his questions. And he asked her out on a date, and she said no. And he kept asking, and she kept saying no, right? But finally, he asked her, after he's reading his Bible, can you take me to your church? Because he wanted to learn a little bit more. And so she brought him to church one Sunday, and he heard about Alpha and said, hey, that's starting up. Let me go and try that. And so he went to an Alpha course where he had the opportunity to discover a little bit more about Jesus. He found it so welcoming. He found it such a wonderful place where he can ask some deep questions about faith. But he wondered whether he would ever be forgiven because of the multitude of terrible things that he had done throughout his life. But by going through the Alpha Course, he realized the love of Jesus and the forgiving grace of Christ, and he accepted Christ as a Savior and committed his life to follow Jesus. He finally ended up actually marrying Fiona, and they have a child together, 
And now he runs alphas, in his own words, from gangs to grannies, right? The love of Jesus changed him and transformed him. He was able to see who God was, repent for his sins, and turn to the Lord. And so what I'd like to talk, to talk to us about today is repentance, and specifically some of these steps in repentance. One, repentance is to remember, repentance is to recognize, repentance is to request, and repentance is to receive. So let's look at these four things. The first thing is to remember. Repentance is to remember the greatness of God. See, we can turn to people in our time of need, and that's great to have people to support us. We can turn towards community. We can turn towards loved ones and friends and family and all sorts of people that we can turn to. But ultimately, the only person that can help us is God. And we need to recognize his greatness, his character, who he is, and realize that ultimately he is the only person that can help us. We need to acknowledge that he is the creator and he is also the savior, as we looked in the last couple of weeks. Psalm 51 in verse 1, David says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sins. Here in this first verse, David realizes the greatness of God in three ways. Number one, in God's mercy. Number two, in his unfailing love. And number three, in his great compassion. David knew that he could come to God, that he could turn to him because God is great in mercy. David knew that he could turn to God in his unfailing love because regardless of what David had done, and it was quite terrible in committing adultery, and then on top of that, to cover it up, murder... David knew that God's love still would not change towards him. That's how great our God is. That whatever we do, his love still doesn't change towards us. And David realized the greatness of God's compassion. That if David would have pleaded and asked, he knew God is so great that he would have compassion on him. It doesn't matter what we've done. His mercy is new every morning. It doesn't matter what we have done. His love never fails. And it doesn't matter what we have done. His compassion is great towards us. When Daniel prayed this, this corporate prayer of repentance, Daniel said, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O oh Lord, you are great and awesome, and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love. Daniel here in this corporate prayer of repentance, acknowledging the sin and failures of the children of Israel, said as well, I acknowledge, I see your unfailing love. Daniel acknowledged that God was a covenant-keeping God, that he knew that what God had said he would do, that's the greatness of our God. You know, we're not covenant-keeping people. We say something and then we break it. We promise something and then we break it, but God is not like that. The greatness of our God is that when he says something, he will do it because he's a covenant-keeping God. And, and Daniel acknowledges the greatness of God. You are great and you are awesome. You know, oftentimes people fail or resist in turning towards God because they think that God is a God of wrath and he's just going to punish them and uh, he's just going to do bad things towards them and he's just waiting to, to pounce on them because of the wrong things that they've done. And because of that, some people don't turn to God. They think God is displeased with them. But let me tell you, friends, 
that God is waiting with open arms for us, that the Father is longing to draw us to himself. In God's love, he is waiting for us. You just have to read through the Old Testament and see how much patience God had with the children of Israel. And then whatever we've done is, in comparison is nothing towards that because God had so much patience towards the children of Israel. And in Daniel's corporate prayer, he acknowledged that. He knew the greatness of God. Now, I'm not saying for us to compare ourselves with other people and say, oh, this person was a worse sinner than me, or this person is more terrible than I am. No, we are all sinners in the sight of God. And that's why it's really important for us in acknowledging the greatness of God is to also acknowledge who we have sinned against. In Psalm 51, David says, against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Now, David's sin in a very practical sense was against Uriah. He, he murdered him. In a very practical sense, he, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. But here, David acknowledges the greatness of God and says, I have sinned against you. You know, a lot of times we don't like to talk about sin and we just love to talk about the love of God and it's great and wonderful to talk about the love of God. But we also have to talk about sin and acknowledge that. Daniel in his corporate prayer of repentance said something similar. He said, but we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. Both David and Daniel knew that the transgression was against God. And if we acknowledge and see the greatness of God and understand how big and wonderful God is, then we'll also see the greatness and the gravity of our sin because it is against an eternal God. And that is big. Part of remembering the greatness of God is understanding that our sin is against the living God. And if it's against the living God, what greater magnitude that sin is. See, our relationship with God has been broken. We are broken people. And our relationship with God has been separated by sin. And we need to realize that if we want to go any further. Because the second part of this is to recognize our sin. Right? Recognize our sin. We, we remember the greatness of God. We remember what God can do. We acknowledge and know what God can do, but we also recognize our sin. You know, in our, in our culture today, this is something that's very difficult because we want to be a very accepting, affirming, and welcoming to, to everyone. And that's great and wonderful to do, but sadly, when we're like that, then we can't call sin, sin. We can't point out the ways in which we have failed the Lord. We have to be able to do that. And if we can't do that, if we can't call sin, sin, if we can't point out the failure, if we can't point out the fault, then where is the forgiveness? Because without sin, there is no forgiveness. Without separation, there is no reconciliation. Without brokenness, there is no healing. Without disunity or division, there is no unity. Without trouble, there is no peace. Without failure, there is no mercy. Without sin, there is no grace as the remedy. 
So we need to call it out. We need to acknowledge it. We need to recognize our sin. We need to be able to say, I have failed. I have sinned. If we want healing and grace, if we want reconciliation and restoration, if we want forgiveness, the first step is to recognize our sin. In order to experience the fullness of God's love, in order to experience the fullness of his mercy, of his compassion, of his forgiveness and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus, there needs to be an acknowledgement of our shortcoming, of our failing, of, of not meeting the standard of glory. In Psalm 51, verse 3 and 4, David says, for I recognize my rebellion. He says, look, I have rebelled. It haunts me day and night against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. See, repentance is turning away from your sin and turning towards God. But to turn away from sin, first you need to acknowledge and recognize the sin and say, yes, this is wrong in my life. Yes, I have failed the Lord. We are all sinners in need of God's grace. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. We have all come short of God's glorious standard. In a very personal way, we need to confess our sin to God. In a very personal way, we need to acknowledge that to him if we want his forgiveness and his cleansing. In a very corporate way, we need to acknowledge the sin of our nation and of our church In Daniel chapter nine, verses five and six, Daniel says, but we have sinned and done wrong. He's speaking on behalf of the children of Israel, says, we have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to the people of the land. See, each of us have failed individually against the Lord, but corporately as well, we failed the Lord. I have failed as a pastor here at Unionville Alliance Church. There are times when when I should have done more for our community and for you, our congregation, and I acknowledge my failure, and I ask for you to pray for me that in this new season that I would be able to do better as your pastor. Please forgive me for the ways in which I have failed and not lived up to that calling that God has called me to live, live by. I know our church here, Unionville Alliance Church, has failed many times. There are times that we have stuck to policies and procedures instead of being compassionate and mindful of people. There are times when our church has, not sought, has, not, has sought the easy way out instead of dealing difficulty, difficultly with the hard issues. And I ask for forgiveness for that because we have failed corporately. One of the things, uh, I was really appreciative of so many people that came this past month of June to hang out with me outside of our church. It was so wonderful to see so many of you from youth age to seniors, from new people in our church to people that have been in our church for decades. It was wonderful to see. But uh, some people as well came and shared with me their hurts. Some people came and shared with me and said, this happened in the church and it really hurt me. And I'm not gonna go into all the details of that, but just to say, please forgive us. And if there's something in specific, please come and tell me because I would love to pray with you and ask for your forgiveness as well. Because there are times when we have failed that we haven't done what was right. We haven't been the reflection of Jesus. And I've heard that from some people and I'm sorry about that. 
And as we enter into this season of prayer, I want our church to do better. I want to do better as your pastor. So if there's anything, please come and speak to me. I would love to hear from you. We have failed as a larger church. Let's call Unionville Alliance as the church, small C church. But the church, large C church, has failed to be a reflection of Christ, even within our nation. As many of you know, even in these days, in the news, the residential school system from the indigenous uh, community has been headline news. And when you read that and when you see some of the things that have happened to those children, it breaks your heart. And you wonder and you question and you ask, how could this have happened in a country like Canada? How could this have happened? How could we have allowed this? Well, let me say corporately, we have failed. And let me say corporately, we the church, the large C church has failed to be a reflection of Christ. And even though it might not be the Christian and Missionary Alliance and maybe there are other denominations like the Catholic Church and United Church and other churches, uh, Anglican Church that, that was more closely involved, but we as the large C church, we who are supposed to be the reflection of Christ, we who are supposed to share the love of God with others, we who are supposed to champion the kingdom of God and say these are kingdom principles, these, this is how we live, we have failed We have failed. And we need to acknowledge that. Instead of sharing the love of Christ, we, we've separated families and killed children and destroyed generations from knowing the love and compassion of Jesus. And as Daniel prayed and confessed the failings of the children of Israel, I acknowledge today from here that we as a church have failed as well. And we need to do better. You know, in this city of Markham, where we're located, I looked it up, the, the traditional territories here of, are of the Huron-Wendat people and the Anishinaabe people and the Hodan-Noshi-Ni people. Those are the indigenous communities in this area of Markham where we are situated. Join me tomorrow in our time of prayer at 7 p.m. as we pray for some of these issues. And as we acknowledge this and ask the Lord, Lord, please help us to do better. Please help us to be that example of Christ. The, the spirit of Christ should cry out within his people to show kindness and love and compassion, seeking justice for those that are facing injustice. That's what the spirit of Christ should be calling out for, but we have failed. And it's not just the residential school system, but in many ways, the religious system, the, the large C church has failed in many ways and has put a stain on the name of Christ. And there's so many different things that we can say about that. In, in policies and politics, there are ways in which we have failed. And, and it's hard to acknowledge that, but we need to acknowledge that because we need to recognize our sin because if there's any hope, for forgiveness and healing and reconciliation, it starts with the recognition and acknowledgement that we have sinned. And that's why Daniel says in Daniel 9 verse 20, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem his holy mountain. Can we plead for our nation of Canada to do better? Can we pray and intercede and say, Lord, please help us, help our leaders Help our church specifically, help our, our denomination, help uh, the, the church in Canada of various denominations, and help our, our, our leaders, our governmental leaders to do better. 
but let us be the light of Christ that shines forth to them and say, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what, and we have faults and failures for sure, but let's shine that light. Now, some of this might seem hard and difficult, but let me tell you that the reason we do this is because we we request for cleansing and forgiveness. This is really what sets Christianity and Jesus apart from every other world religion and every other institution is the fact that the God of all the universe came down from heaven and took upon himself the form of humanity to die for us, why? So that we can be redeemed, so that we can find forgiveness in Jesus. See, the acknowledgement of our sin is not the end, but it's the redemption of Jesus that makes it all the more powerful. It's the love of Jesus that comes. It's the blood of Jesus that covers the sin. It's the blood of Jesus and the love of Jesus that gives us hope for the future. And so we acknowledge our failure and our faults knowing that there is forgiveness with Jesus. We acknowledge the ways in which we have sinned knowing that Christ is there to cleanse us. David says in Psalm 51 in verse two, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin. This was a request, this was a a specific ask of David for cleansing and forgiveness. In verse seven he says, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. None of us are without sin. We are all guilty in the sight of the Lord. But thanks be to the Lord for Jesus Christ who gives redemption to us, who offers us forgiveness full and clean. In verse 14, David says, forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. See, David specifically acknowledged his sin. It wasn't just a generalized statement, but he specifically acknowledged his sin, and he said, forgive me for shedding blood. I killed Uriah. That was a result of my commands and my actions. So Lord, forgive me for shedding blood. And that's why I ask as well, if, if, if there's someone here and you felt being hurt by the church, you, you've been offended, there's something that's happened that has put you off from really knowing the love of Jesus. Can I ask you to come and talk to me? Can I offer you my apology in the hopes of forgiveness and doing better to be the reflection of Christ? See, sadly, we live in a world today of cancel culture that dominates our society, that gives no room for mercy and forgiveness, that if you've done something wrong even 20 years ago and that comes back up again, then that's it, you're finished. I'm thankful to the Lord that the kingdom of God doesn't operate by those principles. That in the kingdom of God, that even in our failings and our failures, that we acknowledge those things and say, yes, I have failed, I have sinned, I have done wrong, I have messed up. I need mercy and grace and forgiveness and compassion. And Jesus, with wide open arms, is right here for us. And says, come to me, because I'm here to forgive. In a corporate sense, Daniel asked for forgiveness for the people as well. In, in verse 19 of Daniel 9, he says, Oh Lord, hear Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay. Oh my God, for your people and your city, bear your name. And this church bears the name of Christ. When people drive by this place and they say Unionville Alliance Church, it's supposed to be a place where the name of Christ is named. Where people say, 
they go there to worship a living Savior. As Salome prayed, and, and as I've said many times in these recent weeks, I want Unionville Alliance Church to be known as a house of prayer. That this place would be a place of prayer where, where people from the streets can come in and say, I need prayer, I need help. I want Unionville Alliance Church to be covered with prayer. I want the presence of God to be all across this sanctuary and all across our land. And I want this place to be a refuge for those that are weary and distressed, those that are hurt and those that are offended, those that, find, uh, uh, that, those that need to find comfort in the presence of God, if they could find that here. Because lastly, we need to receive new life. When we turn away from sin and turn towards God, it's to start a new life. It's to say no to the old way and to say yes to the new way. One of the things we talked about initially was God's covenant-keeping aspect or covenant-keeping nature or covenant-keeping character that he keeps his covenant. And one of those covenants is called the new covenant where he says, I will give to them a new heart. I will give to them a new mind. And I will write my laws upon their heart and upon their mind, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. David prays this similarly, and he says in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. I, I need a fresh start. Anyone here, you need a new heart? I need a new heart. I need God to change me. He says in verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. See, th there's a new life that starts, but that new life goes with actionable steps. When Jesus came to the home of a man named Zacchaeus in the New Testament, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm gonna come to your house. When Zacchaeus had an experience with Jesus, when Zacchaeus saw and knew the love of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus, when he saw who this man, the living savior was, Zacchaeus totally and completely repented of his cheating ways. And he said, half of my goods that I have, I'm giving that to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone, if I've stole from anyone, I'm going to restore to that person four times the amount. And Jesus said, after hearing that, he said, this day salvation has come to this house. See, there needs to be a change of life. When people came to John the Baptist to be baptized of him, he told them, he said, to show me the works, the fruit of your repentance. A change of life. In verse 17 of Psalm 51, David says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. See, the result of repentance is a change in attitude. It's a change in heart. For Daniel, as he was praying corporately, he wanted to see a change. The reason why Daniel started to pray was that if you read at the beginning of Daniel chapter 9, it says that Daniel realized because of what Jeremiah had written and what Jeremiah the prophet had prophesied about, he said the children of Israel will be in captivity for 70 years, and after that, they would be restored back to their land. And so Daniel realizing this, the 70 years were coming to an end, and it was time for the children of Israel to be restored, to be reconciled. He prayed this prayer of confession and repentance corporately and said, Lord, help us because we need to come into a new season. 
Lord, help us. We need to go back to the promise, back to your promises, back to your covenants, back to what you wanted us to have when we were in that promised land. Lord, help us as a nation to go back to that where all of your promises and blessings were. Lord, help us. Let us start anew. Let us start again. Let us be refreshed in your presence in the land that you have promised to us. And my question for us whether you consider yourself part of Unionville Alliance Church, or you're visiting with us today, or you're a guest, or you're watching online, thank you for doing that. How are we going to respond to the call of repentance and the call of confession? As we come to him today, acknowledging our sin, acknowledging our failure, acknowledging our iniquity and our transgression personally, and corporately, there's newness of life for us. There's new beginnings for us. Because let me tell you that Jesus still saves, and Jesus still redeems, and Jesus still heals, and Jesus still makes new. Because in 2 Corinthians 5 it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. There's a newness of life for us if we come to Jesus today. And we have the best opportunity today as we come before the table of the Lord and remember the death and resurrection of Jesus and what he's done for us. I'm gonna close by telling you the story of a man named Nicky Cruz. You might have heard of him before. Nicky Cruz from the age of three and a half was regularly beaten and abused. At the age of nine, he attempted suicide after a severe beating. He was one of 19 children born to parents who practiced witchcraft in Puerto Rico. His mother was a witch, his father was a satanic priest. Once her, her, his mother called him the son of Satan. At the age of 15, his father sent him to New York City to live with his older brother. But as soon as he got there, eventually he decided to live on the streets instead. By the age of 16, he was, one, he was part of one of the most ruthless gangs in New York, New York City called the Mau Maus. Within six months, he became their warlord or their president. Other gangs and even the police feared them and feared Nikki. His life just getting, kept getting more and more violent. His best friend, Manny, was stabbed and killed and bled out in his arms. Then he met a man named David Wilkerson, who was called from the country to come to the big city of New York and preach the gospel. Wilkerson showed Nicky Cruz something that he had never seen in his whole life. Do you know what that was? Unconditional love. See, Nicky beat up Wilkerson, he spat on him, he threatened him. But Wilkerson kept pursuing Nikki with the love of God. Wilkerson said this, quote, you can kill me and cut me into a thousand pieces and throw them right there on the street, but every piece will cry that Jesus loves you, Nikki. It was unconditional love. It was the reflection of Jesus. It was the character of Christ. On his, on his website, Nikki Cruz says this, one night against all odds, 
Jesus Christ broke through the walls that surrounded Nikki's heart. Nikki describes it as if he had been admitted to a Holy Ghost hospital. As Nikki lies there vulnerable, Jesus walks to his side, opens Nikki's chest, takes out his heart, and puts it to his lips and kisses it. The Lord then placed the transformed heart back into his chest and raises him up as a brand new creation. This is what he felt. This is what he saw on that eventful day when Nikki repented of his sins and exchanged his weapons for a Bible. Nikki Cruz then became a well-known evangelist sharing the love of Jesus to millions of people for the last 60 years. He wrote a book called Run Baby Run, translated into more than 40 languages, and his story is told in the book written by David Wilkerson, The Cross and the Switchblade, also made into a movie. That's the power of the changing love of God. That's the power that can transform us. Jesus is inviting us for forgiveness, for cleansing. As we acknowledge our sin and recognize his greatness, he gives us newness of life. Let's sing to the Lord.